0: Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. A dream, a dream that was the Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio They going at me for my ambition Welcome to the Hooper's Log Welcome on in to the Hooper's Log It is me, Andrew Norris We do have the infamous SEMO Buckets Chris Morrison with us Uh I will get to him in one second Uh We are going to have a jam-packed show Probably go uh about 35 to 45 minutes Uh, Jake Chapman coming on for either the third or the fourth time, excited to talk some Pistons with him. We'll talk some Cavs, too, uh, as he grew up in Ohio. Uh, Inside the bets, F.P. Andre may be coming on, Um, so, you know, that would extend the show a little bit. But, Christopher, what is going on over there in the West Coast? You know, the last couple of days, it's been absolutely beautiful. But then all of a sudden, I come outside and it starts to rain. It's raining again. Not a shocker, but uh, over the last three or four days, I've had no complaints. It has been about 55, 60 degrees, no wind, beautiful, perfection weather. Uh, it's It's been great. Uh, nonetheless, though, life has been busy. I have worked about 23 to 24 hours the last two days. It's been crazy. Uh, here, but uh, I'm glad to do a night show. I'm glad to do it here, and I'm glad that you're hosting, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and and I I do like doing this. It's I I look forward to the Friday. I look forward to every show, but Fridays are nice because I get to do it in the comfort of my own home and not sitting in my truck when I forgot to warm it up and I'm not worried about rushing back into work. So it's nice. Um, something I want you to talk about real quick is uh. We we have been talking a little bit with Diego Solaris of the Athlete. There's an article we wanted to speak on a little bit, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about that a little bit? Well if you if you'd like to know more about the athlete world, go check them out on Twitter. Obviously, Diego Solaris, my guy. He's been sending us some articles here and there and obviously I think the big news when it comes to rumors throughout the NBA right now is the uh is is the Joe Johnson uh, fia- I wouldn't call it a fiasco, but the phenomenon of him. Um, for those of you that don't remember and maybe aren't old enough to remember, Joe Johnson was one of those guys that was a part of that uh, that run-and-gun Phoenix team from back in the mid to late two- uh, 2000s with Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. He was one of those core pieces, a really good outside threat for that team back in the day. Unfortunately, though, it's been about eight years since he was really good. And ever since he's signed and been with the Nets, he hasn't really made a factor or a splash in the NBA. And uh, Diego had an article really talking about his impact uh, on, you know, in his career over the last five or six years, also talking about what's been going on with him overall and considering, you know, his release of the nets and where he might go. Uh, that That's all kind of been squashed now, knowing that he's more than likely about 90 to 95% going to sign with the, uh, with the Miami heat. And what this does for the Miami Heat, for for a, a large factor, is the fact that the Heat now look. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie. That is the rocking chair team of the NBA now. I mean, they have Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, uh, Joe Johnson, uh, Mari Stoudemire. Look, Mari Stoudemire and Joe Johnson back at it again. Uh, it's a it's a pretty older team. I mean, Goran Dragic isn't old, but he's you know he's not young anymore. He, they got a pretty I mean, obviously, Justice Winslow is the youngest guy there, but outside of that, it's a very, very old team, and he's going to do some wonders for them off the bench if they decide to start him off the bench. If they decide to start him, I mean, that's their own their own caveat. But if they want to start him off the bench, that'd be a really good idea for this squad, especially considering now. You know, obviously, in the uh, in the in the Eastern Conference, we have obviously Toronto and Boston and, and Cleveland at the top, but Miami is hovering behind Boston. They're one of those teams now where they may make an impact. They're not going to beat the Cavs. No one's going to beat the Cavs in this division or in this conference, but they may make an impact here late in the season with this Joe Johnson pick. And if they utilize him correctly, who's to say that Miami can't contend for a potential Eastern Conference bid if they can find a way to get uh, further along from there? So, really, if you want to check out that article, go check it out. Obviously, he's more than likely looking to go to Miami as Joe Johnson, but a big move there, obviously, Brooklyn. Needing to reload, as they're now 16 and 42. They got a win last night over the Suns, but uh, definitely reloading there in that organization. Andrew, take it away, man. Yeah, again, guys, go check them out on Twitter. Uh, the Athlete World. It's 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 cool website. It's growing. They're getting bigger. They they have the same goals in mind as us, uh, and and there's somebody who we're definitely going to follow uh, along with on their journey. And they're hoping they're they're gonna. Follow us back, and you know we can help each other. We can grow together. That's that's really the goal. Yeah. Those are the type of thing Chris has been looking It'll, for, and that's that's the kind of thing that's really exciting. And Diego's going to help us with the YouTube uh, channel that's going to be coming out on Tuesday. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Hoopers Law YouTube channel, we're going to start it all up, and it's going to be kicking on in on Tuesday, March first. Obviously, the beginning of March Madness. Look, people who think that March Madness begins after Selection Sunday, you're wrong. It all really starts realistically it really all starts this conference weekend tourney. it is an unbelievable yes unbelievably jam-packed weekend first of all for the final weekend of co- of the regular season then conference tourneys kick off on march 1st and it goes for about a week and a half two weeks until selection sunday and then after that you get a two week two day break or a one day break and then you go right into those first four and then bam before you know it we have two four straight days of 96 basketball games all compact together in the first weekend of March Madness to solidify the Sweet 16. It's going to be absolutely mayhem bonkers to go forward from here. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts right now when it comes to the world of basketball. Uh, Outside of that, though, yeah, and then our shows are going to change starting on Monday to to 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. That will be a new change. We're still going to do the nighttime shows on Friday, obviously. And then once Selection Sunday comes about, we'll have a special for you on Selection Sunday night. We'll give you our reactions on the Hoopers log. That's only about two weeks away, a little over two weeks away. And then we'll get into two-a-days on Thursday and Friday, and then we'll have shows on that weekend of the first weekend of March Madness, uh, of, of of the tournament. And then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program. But we'll be working hard here to get you all the college basketball information you need through the Hooper's Log Andrew anything else uh, before we get started uh, On the show Yep we are here on the Hooper's Log On Block Talk Radio and with S Radio uh, We are expecting Jake Chapman Here in a little bit under 10 minutes um, But how about we get started Into the preview how's that sound Or into the recap That works for me Alright 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 You're gonna learn today. Well, for those of you who didn't notice, it's a little weird. He's saying my line of "Let's do it," and I'm clicking the button for Kevin Hart. It's a little—it's reversed. Uh, the roles. First of all, let's just get it out of the way, okay? It's a question I think a lot of people are asking: Is there a real problem with the Oklahoma City Thunder? They came out, they lost one twenty-three to one nineteen to the New Orleans Pelicans last night, who you know have kind of got themselves back into the playoff race. Uh, looking at, I mean, they started what zero and ten, and now they are. Yeah. I mean, they're still five and a half games back, but five and a half games back is not impossible. If they go on some big run, they're right there. Okay, if they win nine out of ten, a uh, twelve out of fourteen, yeah. something like that, they're right there because the other teams are five hundred teams. Uh, you know, Houston's still just sneaking in there, only a half game ahead of Utah. Can't believe it looks like Portland's going to make it, even though they they choked to the Rockets last night and ended up getting dismantled, well, not dismantled, but beat pretty bad by 14. Um, but I I, I went off my, my train of thought there. My original point was, is there something wrong with the Thunder? Chris, do you think since the All-Star break they've lost something? Do you think they're not as good as you thought they were? Or do you think it's just a rough stretch, they're going to get over it, and we'll see them come back how they were? Well, look, remember, they also traded for Randy Foy, and so they're kind of figuring out a little bit of a thing there with their chemistry. It's not a major blip, but, but this – you know what, these kind of games are going to happen. Thursday is kind of the Monday night football of the NBA before they hit the weekend. It's kind of reversed in the NBA where the Monday night football edition is is the beginning of the weekend, which is on a Thursday. Thursday is generally like the rest day in the NBA, and that's kind of the day where everything kind of resets before the weekend, and that's kind of what you're going to see. Oklahoma City is fine. Look, if it wasn't – look, think about this. If it wasn't for the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors going absolutely – haywire bonkers right now both teams have won four in a row nine and nine and nine wins over the last 10 games both teams golden state and san antonio this oklahoma city team would be right in the thick of a number one spot in the western conference they 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 had a blip in the road last night with the way anthony davis has been playing we all know about the 59 and 20 from last sunday uh, just just look at this this New Orleans Pelicans team. And I, meant, I said this from the get-go at the beginning of the season. This team was not going to play well their first month and a half, two months of the season, and now they've played really good, inspired basketball here over the last month and month and a half now since they've gotten everybody back. And now they can contend with good teams. They're not a good team themselves. They're not there. Can they get back into the postseason race? Absolutely. They kind of already are. Um, but, yeah, they're a team that is legitimately – they can contend with good teams on a night-in and night-out basis. It's just can they win. And last night they proved that they can win. I don't think Oklahoma City has as big of an issue as we – kind of games are going to happen for them from time to time. 41-17 and 17 is not a bad team. That is a very, very, very good ball club. It just looks like it's not as good because San Antonio and Golden State are absolutely just – I'm going to say it, they're, they're insane. Like, Golden State, 52-5. and five, And they're now – all they got to do is win one more game and they're a playoff team. Think about that. They could clinch a playoff spot before March begins. That's insane. I don't think we've ever seen that in NBA history. And that could happen this weekend, tomorrow night, as Golden State plays in Oklahoma City, which I'm – I don't know about you, Andrew, but I'm way more excited. I'm so excited about that game. But that – But this Oklahoma City team is fine. I think they're okay. Look, I know they struggled against the Cavs last week, and I know they've been struggling a little bit this week, but they do have a good new guy in Randy Ford, and they've got kind of a little bit of new things to figure out. Russell Westbrook still went off, 44 points and nine assists, a huge white boy's performance there. And Kevin Durant also had one as well. This team's fine. Once they figure it out and once Billy Donovan gets his pieces situated, his chessboard operated, figuring out, I'm telling you, once we get into the thick of March, you're going to see this Oklahoma City team make that stretch run, and they're going to look really scary. I just think they're in a bump a bump in the road right now. Yeah. No, I I think they'll be okay. Um, I think, you know, teams coming out of the all break, you see all kinds of weird things. Um and I still think Oklahoma City's the, the third, maybe the fourth-best team in the West with, with L.A. I mean, L.A.'s good. I think all four of those yeah. teams have a chance to win the finals. I really do. I think we're just counting them out. Um, you know, since since the start in the Warriors' had the Spurs have been just as good record-wise. Clippers haven't been far behind. But, I mean, look at last night, man. I mean, I'm running out of words to call Steph Curry's offensive game. I think we only have one soundbite that'll really explain it. I mean, that's really what you do the the whole time. Steph Curry's playing, and I don't like Steph Curry. We've said it on the show many times. Can't stand it. Can't stand the way he plays. uh, But it's smarter than the way I like players playing because three points is greater than two points, and it's just that simple. He goes for fifty-one points last night, seven rebounds, eight assists. Uh, he played one of the one of the best games of his career last like, night. Ten of fifteen and three, as the Golden State Warriors took down the Magic one thirty to one fourteen. Chris, this team's fifty two and five. What else can you say about him that we haven't said already? Uh, th- at this point, as I've as I've as we've been kind of talking throughout the year, it's still. I mean, when you really step back, because we're kind of in the thick of it all right now. But when you really step back and look at this organization and this team, look. I mean. The more and more as time goes on, it's kind of like baseball. You know, baseball like throughout the year, you kind of don't know what's going on until about June, July. Speaking of that, obviously spring training getting underway here in about within the next week or so. Um, But but baseball, this team reminds me of a really good baseball team. Like when it comes to legendary, their legendary status. Like before the year where we were obviously thinking, eh, this team's gonna be good, but they're not gonna be great. You know, but as time has gone forward, and as we're seeing now, I mean, as those who are true basketball, you know, diehards watching this team and watching their greatness level just improve over time, their bench steps up. Steph Curry has a great night. Clay Thompson has a great night. Clay Thompson has a night where he has an unbelievable quarter. You see these ebbs and flows of just greatness that comes in and out of them. Obviously, they had a bad game against Portland about a week ago, but outside of that, it's like every night you see this team do something different that makes you think this team is really on the verge. I'm never going to compare them to the, I guess, uh, ability of the 95-96 Bulls because I think if you played them one-on-one, I think the Bulls would win But I mean, uh, as team versus team. But this Warrior team for the era that they're playing in, they are just they, – they, they make me they, – they almost – they don't show any flaws at times. There's times where you almost have to just – catch them on an off night to win. And when you start talking in, in in terms of that nature for this team, you start to say that this is one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. And I, I'm not there saying it yet. When it comes to greatest starts ever, absolutely. This is the greatest team in a 57-game stretch to start a season ever. There's no debate on that ever. But when it comes to all time, look, they st- the, and I and I'll keep pressing this until we get to April because they still have a tough stretch at the end of the season. But they have to show attrition. They have to keep playing like this. They have to keep. Uh, they have to stay healthy, and they still have to win a championship to be a greatest team of all time. They can't just come out and pull a Patriots and go undefeated or have a great regular season and then lose in the finals or lose in the playoffs. Because this, look, you mentioned it. You have four teams in the Western Conference: in Oklahoma City, the Clippers, San Antonio, and obviously Golden State. The Golden State Warriors are going to have to play two of those three teams, whether we like it or not, in the in May. May is going to be, I'm telling you, the Western Conference in May. I'm telling you, if you don't, if you don't sit down, if you have a regular shift like Andrew or you know, people who work nine-to-five jobs, I work a late-night shift, so I'll be having it on at work, but if you can at least sit down, put on some popcorn, get, get, get some food going, and turn on these games in May for the Western Conference, I'm telling you, you, you will not be disappointed because it's going to be one of the greatest Mays we've ever seen in Western Conference basketball history. Because you have four teams that can legitimately win an NBA title. Look, in the East, you're going to have one terrible – I wouldn't call it terrible. But you're going to have one mediocre uh, second-round matchup that's going to happen. And then you're going to have one matchup where the Cavs are going to either dominate in the second round or they're damn near going to come close to sweeping that team. It's not going to be impressive in the East. But in the West, it's going to be like heavyweight versus heavyweight title fights every single night in the West all of May in the second round. In the Western Conference Finals, if the Golden State Warriors get through that, get through this regular season with a 73 and nine record, which by the way, now all they got to do is go 21 and four in their final 20th record. That's not undoable. They're already 52 and five. But this team, if they get through that Western Conference in May, I don't care how they do it. Doesn't matter injury wise. All those teams are amazing. If they can get through it. I prefer everyone to be healthy, obviously. But if they get through it, and then they get to June, and they play Cleveland, who I won't debate right now. And, Andrew, you were right on this about a month ahead of time. You called this. I was skeptical. I ain't skeptical anymore. This team is literally toes and ankles above everybody in the, in the East. They're, they're, they're a full person above everybody in the East right now when it comes to comparison. They're that dominant. And if they can easily skim through the East like we think they're going to do and like you think they're going to do, this, and this Warrior team wins the title doing that all the way through May and June. I don't know how you don't put them in the conversation as the greatest team of all time. And if not, call them the greatest team of all time because that may run they're going to have to go through. And winning in the finals against a very, let's just be honest, very healthy and restored and refreshed Cav team. Because they should sweep the Eastern Conference Finals. If the if the Golden State Warriors have to play one of those two teams or one of those three teams in the Western Conference Finals after an already tough you know, regular season and all that, getting through it, and then they beat the Cavs, I don't care if it's in seven or, or if it's in five or whatever. If they beat them, you've got to put them in the conversation as the greatest team of all time. They They keep proving it every right. single night, and they keep changing it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and and Jake Chapman is on the line, but real quick, I said I thought we only had one audio bite, um, uh, one drop that could define how Steph Curry's playing this year, but I think I found one more. It's going to rain! I think those are the only two that can define Steph Curry this year, and I got to tell you, it makes me sick to my stomach. But, ladies and gentlemen, Jake Chapman is on the line. Jake, what's going on, my man? How are you today? Hey, what's up, guys? How how's things been? Uh, how's how's one oh five one? How's how's it uh how is everything just in general? Going good, good, good. Obviously, um look the Pistons they they kinda had us worried there for a little bit. I mean they dropped oh. five straight. The Anthony Davis performance that I saw on Sunday was the best one that I've seen since covering the NBA in person. It was absolutely amazing. But at the same time, like Lost and all that was it was a four-point game going into the final minute. Like, the Pistons were out there busting their asses because they had dropped, you know, at that point four in a row. It was a really important game. And, look, after the game, you know, had a whole lot of calls. It was a pretty packed house at the Palace um, with some bummed-out fans. And it felt like, you know, this is who this team is. And then, of course, they bounced back on Monday with a win over the Cavaliers. And I heard you guys talking, you know, when I first came on. Here's the thing. Last night on my show, and I'm I'm with you guys, you know, pretty much. I mean, I think the Cavaliers. It would take a pretty pretty drastic upset to see them not come out of the East. But if it's a one-eight matchup with the Pistons, yes. I mean, From what we've seen so far, you at least have to talk about. Look, I yes. was there. I watched, and it's funny because I watched it as a Cavaliers fan because I it was before I started working for the Orlando Magic full time. Um, the Magic, yeah, they were a much better team than the Pistons are, but they beat the Cavaliers three out of, uh, two out of three times it would have been in the regular season, and you just sort of knew they matched up really well with the Cavs, and sure enough, that was the year that they made their run to the finals and they knocked the Cavs off. Um, I think the Cavs were a better team that year. I just think Stan sort of has a a way with LeBron. He does his thing, and, um... You know, it would be really interesting. I would be shocked if the Cavaliers didn't roll them, but I think it would be at least a, a nice little matchup story. Yeah, well, I'm still I'm still uh sitting here crossing my fingers for that seventh seed or better because um you know, the Pistons and the Cavs are the two teams that I really go die-hard mode for. Uh, you know, I was one of those people who went from a Heat fan to a Cavs fan. I am I am that, but I'm a LeBron fan. What are you going to do about it? But, Jake, i got to ask, man, right now, is LeBron James still the best player in the NBA? Man, I was just talking about this. You guys want to hear a funny story. My mom asked me today if my mother (laughs) in Cleveland, Ohio, asked me today if it bugs LeBron that Steph is now being anointed as the best player on the planet, the best player in the league. And I, I was like, Mom, that's such a good question. I have no idea. But probably yeah. I mean this is a man who's got chosen ones tattooed across his back. Like, look, we we know that we it, no, he I to me LeBron I'd still go a season with LeBron James over Steph Curry. Um, and here's why. What Steph's doing is amazing. He's he is you know, we I'm not gonna take anything away from him, but no. I'm still not positive he's the most important player on the Golden State no. Warriors. Dream on Green right? man. exactly. Right. So I mean bottom line is that is an amazing, great, all time historic team and we should all step back and appreciate that. But LeBron again for a second time is on a team that has some serious flaws. Yes, it's way more talented than the first group, you know, now it's you know, it's not the first iteration of Mo Williams, it's Kyrie Irving and it's not Zidrunis Logowskis and, you know, Daniel Marshall and whoever it's Kevin Love. He's got a nice, he pretty to? talented group, but they have deficiencies. The they don't match up with the Golden State Warriors well. So if, unless the Warriors get upset in the Western Conference, the Cavs are probably not going to win a championship this year, and they're going to probably have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. I really thought they should have made some sort of a deal for a perimeter defender. Um, they're they're really reliant right now on Amon Sumford getting healthy, and that sounds like a risky proposition. Yeah, and it's uh, – it's one of those things that it makes me so nervous, dude, because, you know, I've spent my whole, I, LeBron is what brought me to basketball. I was a, I was a casual basketball fan. Um, and it, it's weird because it does, it's, I haven't been a diehard basketball fan for so long, but I'm i half the point of diehard. It's an obsession. It's a, it's a lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's uh it's something that I, I based my life around and, I have spent so much time as a basketball fan arguing about LeBron and Kobe. LeBron and Steph. LeBron versus this guy. Because he's the most underappreciated, I think he's the most underappreciated athlete in the history of all sports. Um and I don't know if I'll be able to handle it on the finals loss. I don't I think I'll break down. Like especially to Steph Curry who I you know, I turn on Warriors games when I see that they're down one in the first quarter just cuz I'm like oh they're going to lose today and it's just I I mean it's it's amazing how how great this team is but let's get over to the pistons a little bit um you're an ohio guy we, we know you love the cavs but but hey you're you're one of us now you're a, you're a detroiter now um yeah and let me so, interrupt you I will I'll tell you this when I started getting paid by the orlando magic my cleveland Cavalier fanhood was very quickly stripped and so now that I, I, you know, I cover the Pistons and we're broadcast partners. Um, I, I'm not a Cavs fan. I'm a Browns fan. I'm an Indians fan. I'm an Ohio State alum and fan. Um, I, I root for the NBA, man. I, I, I just love good basketball and good storyline. That yeah, I mean that that's it's always good to hear. I don't think I could ever do it. I really don't. I, <laughs> I, I get too, I get too passionate about things. <laughs> But um, right, all right, yeah. We saw we saw the team lose five games in a row, and you know every, especially going into that Pelicans game when you saw the backcourt of Norris Cole and uh, you can't remember who started at the two guard uh, for the Pelicans, and and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, they're finally gonna win a game. Like they're finally they lost four in a row. I think for the first second time this year. Um, and you're like, okay, they'll finally win, they'll get off the schneid and then, you know, the second half they'll play pretty well. Uh, they lost that game and you're looking at Cleveland. Uh, you said you think Stan Van Gundy's kinda got LeBron's number. Um, do you think it was a little bit of that and a little bit of LeBron having what might have been the worst regular season game of his entire career? Or do you think it's do you think it's more Dave Van just has a game plan in place. He's seen him, you know, probably 60, 70 times in his career, maybe not that much, probably more closer to 40. And do you think he just found – I mean, they're 2-1 and one against the Cavs. Now they're 1-1 one and one against the Warriors. Do you think he's just a big-game coach who can get his team motivated for those type of things? Well, I mean, that's like, as of right now, you know, it's difficult because the pitchers are still so inconsistent. Like, you know, I want to anoint them as that. Um, I will say this. They show up when they know, you know, they've got to bring their A game. So, yeah, the Golden State Warriors get your attention. So do the Cavaliers. Um, what Stan does, and I don't have the numbers about Stan against LeBron in his career, but Stan has always said the exact same thing. Um, and the way you see it on the floor is he essentially doesn't send double teams, doesn't try to trap the ball out of his hands. He goes man up on him. And if LeBron is going to knock down 200 jump shots, Um, And even if he's going to get his 30 or whatever, 30-plus, it's fine as long as he doesn't have about seven-plus assists. When he's rolling, LeBron's such a good passer, he's making everybody else better. So, you know, if you're sending doubles at LeBron, he's so smart, he's going to beat that every time. Nine times out of ten, he's going to find the open man and get a good look for for his teammate. And that's the whole thing, always with LeBron. You'll take his scoring, especially if it's coming on perimeter jump shots. You don't want him getting a triple-double or putting up 10-plus assists, getting everybody else involved and making, you know, the J.R. Smiths of the world, even though he's shot the ball well this year, you know, making his B-level teammates A-level guys because he's putting the ball in the right spot and getting them in rhythm like he does. Um, With that said, the team had their back against the wall. and we've seen it all year, guys. Um, You know, they – they lost a tough game, and they they were in danger of slipping more than two games below 500. So they came out and they played the Cavaliers like they can play. And here's what happened on uh, both Monday and Wednesday against the Sixers. You know, of course, but when Drummond defends, it's a whole different team, and especially on Monday, oh, yeah. it was that, and it was it was KCP knocking down shots, um, Pope knocking down shots, adds an element to the offense that is not necessarily there every night but when it's there they're really good. And Drummond defending the rim like he did on Monday as an element to the defense and really to the team um on the uh, you know on the whole that just makes them a much, much better team. If he's if he's locked in, they are a tough, tough defensive team. Yeah, I think I think uh, Andre obviously and his, his defense is the biggest thing. Right now, I think a few years down the road, I don't think his defense will be the most important thing for this team, but to stay consistent right now, I think that's probably what you're going to need night in and night out, and, and we've seen through the first now four years of his career, you're not really getting it night in and night out. Now, it's something that'll, I mean, he's still 22. He's still going to be a little bit immature on the court, Um right. and that, that's hopefully he'll grow out of a little bit, and hopefully he can become that defensive monster that he really has potential to be um, before we get to Tobias Harris, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Davey, Caldwell called since you brought him up. And this is a question I really like to ask people, because it, the range of this, the answer to this question is crazy. Um, if, and I'm going to put you on the spot, if you think KCP's ceiling compared to one player in the league today, I'll give you mine after, who do you think it is? Because some people will say extremely low, like a Tony Allen, and some people will go extremely high. So, who who would you have it as if you had to pick one right <sighs> now? It's ceiling. So absolute yeah. maximum ceiling, like top, top, top. As if if KCP becomes the greatest player, he could possibly be a comparison. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I'll say this: if I think KCP in, in a different way could be as effective and as good for a team as Jimmy Butler. We got and that's just that's just the, you know, he's not there yet. He's, he's nowhere near as solid an offensive player um, in terms of playmaking, creating for his teammates. And they're different defenders because, you know, Butler's bigger, and so you can put Butler on anybody on the perimeter and feel comfortable. You can put him on the big scoring forwards, um, as long as they're not just going to shoot jumpers over them and feel comfortable. Um, and you probably like, you can't put Pope on Carmelo probably, um, but you can put Pope on Russell Westbrook. And I'm not sure you can put Butler on Westbrook and feel comfortable with it. So they're different defenders, but I think overall just the, um, the, the overall potential of, of, of the output that you can get from Contavious Caldwell Pope could be on that level. And we're talking MVP level, like, and that's why I say, like, maximum ceiling. Butler is that good. Pope's not there yet, of course. His offense is very inconsistent, turns the ball over at times, and sometimes he has just awful shooting nights. Um, but, man, his on-ball defense is something special, and there's not a very many guys in the league who can do that. And for Stan to have the luxury to put him on a point guard, a two or a smaller three, um, man, that's a weapon for sure. Yeah, that we, we got the same guy and, and what some people I think miss is Jimmy Butler I mean, what is he, twenty five twenty six years old. Uh he's right. like really Butler's good a better until, player. Exactly. Like yeah, like like Butler's a better player, but Pope can get there at some point. You know what I mean? Butler is going to get better and it's kinda of scary to think about what he's going to be. He's gonna be outstanding. Right, right. And K I mean, K C P is a nineteen year old kid when he came when he came into the league. Jimmy Butler, I believe, was 22 or 21. Um, So, I mean, he's got plenty of time. Um, Now, we had Terry Foster on the show a couple weeks back, and he said something that caught my attention. I want to get your opinion on it. He said that the combination of Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond could be maybe not as successful as far as a championship goes, but better than Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace. Do you think that's absolute nothing? crazy talk or, or are you kind of on the same page as him well yeah it's an interesting comparison i think they're such different players um all of them but i will say this like this is the core guys like you know anything that's going to happen and we we almost got to stand to sort of admit this much anything that's you know, just the other day anything that's going to happen moving forward is going to be a complimentary move Um, unless Reggie really, really sucks, or Andre decides I want to leave, or whatever, you know, unless something very, very out of the ordinary happens, contrary to what we've seen so far, those two guys you're going to build around moving forward. Tobias Harris is here for a long time. So is Marcus Morris. So is Stanley Johnson. And Pope will be. So this is the group. Um, Darren Hilliard, you could probably throw in that mix. I think Stan's very much um, appreciates Hilliard's work ethic. And he's a guy who came into the league pretty much ready to be an end-of-the-bench pro right off the bat, and he's given Stan everything he wants. Bullock is signed through next year. Baines is signed long-term. So you have the core in place. Anything else that's going to happen is going to be a backup point guard or a Moda Yunus-type player. And that's, you know, that's not going to upset the core very much. So one thing you know is that these two guys are going to be here for a long time, and Stan is going to build around them. And I see it at practice all the time, you guys. Like, we walk in, and they're always in the corner, either the three of them or Stan and Reggie specifically, working on film and looking at the tablet, like, in in their private time. Um, That's, you know, that's what Stan – Stan is putting all of his eggs in those two baskets, and I think they certainly have the potential to be that good. I do think other players surrounding them are going to probably dictate – whether or not they win at the level that Chauncey and Ben Wallace did. But Andre right now is a 22-year-old all-star who is the best rebounder in the league. And that's better than Ben Wallace, you know. Is Andre Defensive Player of the Year? No, but he's got plenty of time to um, at least turn into, a. a you know, a, he, he's probably more along the lines of an all-NBA player rather than just a DPOY. Um, but Ben Wallace, you know, is – one of the all-time greatest defensive players, and I don't think Andre will ever necessarily be that. Uh, he has the potential to be a really good defensive player, but, you know, he's not Mutombo. Right. Yeah, no, and that's that's why I thought the comparison got really hard, is just that they're all so different. Like, Reggie is a slasher more than a shooter, although Reggie has, you know, the confidence in, confidence in his jump shot is so improved. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can, just, you can now when he when he shoots it, the percentages are are way up from what they were. Um but they're definitely you definitely feel more comfortable now with him taking a jumper than maybe back on his O K C day. Um now now let's get into the real meat. The trade deadline came through. Uh obviously the Monte Unis and Thornton trade. Uh it got voided, some back issues with Monte Unis. Um you know, it's one of those things where he was about to come back, so it is, it is disappointing. Uh, but, you know, you get your first-round draft pick back, so you're never disappointed about that. But what's what's the feel as far as are they going to have to go – are they going to try to get a buyout player, or are they going to rely on a guy like Justin Harper to kind of fill out the very, very, very end of that bet? Well, I think, I think they'll look – at buyout guys and China guys, you know, in the Chinese league, and some of those guys are going to come up free. I don't think they'll bring any – like, the whole reason they brought in Justin Harper was because it was easy. You could bring him in literally one shoot around and for a Philadelphia-type game, feel comfortable throwing him out there on garbage time. They don't want to play Justin Harper. He's not ready. Um, But he was, you know, he was familiar with the system a little bit from Orlando and more so because he was on the summer league team the last two years. So that's easy, that's simple, that's not going to make very many waves. Um, if you can get through, and this is a tough stretch coming up, you got games on the road, they do have a couple days for practice, which is good. Um, if you can get through and get Stanley Johnson and Anthony Tolliver back, then all of a sudden everything, you know, it takes a lot less pressure off of sort of, you know, adding reinforcement. Um, I think that's pretty much sort of where they'll be at. You don't want to bring in a guy – yeah, and, I mean, we're going to hear all sorts of stupid rumors like Michael Beasley and stuff like that. You don't want to bring in a guy – and Michael Beasley is a terrible example to stand when you do that. But even a guy who just – and I don't know a great example, but a guy who's going to come in and, you know, sort of make some waves and, and need his shots and uh, maybe has some other suitors and sort of wanted you to define a role for him, that's probably not in the cards. I don't think it makes a whole bunch of sense for them to do that um, just because you got guys – here that you want to develop a little bit more. I think certainly Bullock is entitled to his opportunity right now. Hilliard is the same way. You have kind of a long-term scope of things. Yes, you want to make the playoffs this year for sure, but you're also invested in developing guys like Reggie Bullock and Darren Hilliard. And, you know, um, I, think, I, I think bringing in a guy just for the sake of, of making a move, it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. It would have to be somebody you really, really like. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes the most sense. And, you know, there's there's a few guys that I've seen coming over from China. I, I think – I like what you brought up about Michael Beasley. Obviously, Stan would never do it, but I think that would be kind of interesting if, if it happened. All right, just a couple more Well, real please. quick, I mentioned, I mentioned Beasley real fast just because he. – you're right, exactly. He would be a good fit on the floor, um, but he's such a nutcase. And Stan, I'm sure, doesn't have right. to bring any of that cloud anywhere near the locker room right now. Right, Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, the the golden piece, and I mean, it's looking more and more gold every game of the trade deadline, is Tobias Harris. Is he as good as this 18-point, 50? I don't think he's ever going to shoot 54% from the field, but <laughs> 18 points, five-and-a-half rebounds, two assists, a steal. I mean, this guy's been efficient. This guy's been confident. This guy's been everything. Stan Van Gundy wanted him to be. Is is this because of the, the switch of systems and he's just going to fit in here this well and it's going to flow like it has with him? Or do you think he's just on a hot stretch on a new team? He will cool down a little bit, but not he won't be quite this player? Or, or what's your opinion on him? Well, I think we have some immediate evidence to suggest that this is a really good fit, and here's here's that. Um, all Like all the intel I had on him from Orlando is if it's, If it's going to be negative with Tobias, it's going to be because he's pounding the air out of the basketball, maybe turning it over, maybe jump shot happy, stopping the flow of the offense. And we've seen nothing but the opposite of that since he's been here, right? I mean, he's moving the ball. He's very decisive anytime he gets it on the wing. It seems like he's pretty naturally fitting into the offense within the half court. And I think part of that is Marcus Morris and Stan talked about that. He said the two of them seem to have a good feel for playing next to each other. They seem to look for each other. And I think Marcus Morris is a great guy for, you know, if you just think about it, the the sort of, you know, profile you have of either player. Marcus Morse is a good role player. And Tobias Harris is a good feature offensive player. And so, of course, the two of them should have a nice um, sort of chemistry next to each other on the floor. I think, well, of course, you don't want to read too much into it. We have a pretty small sample size. Um, but Tobias Harris, it seems to me, is a guy who can provide instant offense, and he joined a team that needed somebody who could provide instant offense. So I love the deal when it happened, and it looks really good right now. And, of course, we'll see them moving forward. they got some tough games coming up out on the road. And once they they got their rest a little bit at the all-star break, they come back to a really shortened rotation. So as the game starts stacking up here coming down the stretch, got to keep an eye on their fatigue and see what kind of – what kind of shape these guys are in. They're they were pretty banged up there before the All Star break. They seem fresh right now, but sometimes it doesn't last coming down the stretch. Right. Right. And you know what, just throwing out my bold prediction right now, the the Pistons have not looked good against the Raptors this year. I say on uh what are they playing? Sunday. Sunday huge yeah. difference makes versus the Raptors and they are gonna pull out that victory the second half of a back to back.
1: love uh, I I, I think, love it. You know, I love
0: Right, he's he's going to make it. I have nothing to back it up at all. I haven't looked at it. No, it's very, it's very the bold. The Raptors, I don't know. I I I got in the argument yesterday on the air about, would you rather see the Raptors or the Cavaliers? And I'm like, I would rather see the Raptors because they don't have a guy named LeBron James. But uh, <laughs> Ryan Hoover was like, look, what did the numbers <laughs> tell you? And I was like, you're right. Like, I have to give you some credit there. The Raptors just seem <laughs> to be a terrible matchup no, it's, for it's them right now. I know. <laughs> but are You're right. I didn't, you know. Speaking of LeBron, speaking of the Raptors, I'm sure you want to go watch. I know I definitely want to go watch here pretty soon. So we're going to wrap it up here. Who you got tonight? And then throwing you on the spot again, as I'm sure this is the third or maybe even fourth time you've been on here. I, I think I've thrown you on the on the spot every single time. Who you got tonight? And give me a LeBron slash, uh, slash line: points, rebounds, assists. Points, rebounds, and assists for LeBron. <sighs> With LeBron James in Toronto. You saw Steph Curry drop 51 last night. Remember that. It's a good point. It's a good point. I'll go uh, – wait, they already started. It's 5 nothing. Um I'll go 34-9-7. <laughs> and seven. Okay. Okay. And I'm, gonna take, uh, and I'm going to take – And I'm going to take the Cavs by 5 because it's already 5-5 here, five five. Five. <laughs> according to ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing even ball the rest of the game. I, I like that prediction. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, we appreciate you ha- We appreciate you coming on, as always. Um, it's always fun talking to you about basketball. Hoping to have you on again here soon in the future. Um, and just to let you know, I'm going to pretend I'm you, sneak into Pistons practice, and I'm going to play this as proof that I am you. Um, so you won't be allowed <laughs> into Pistons practice, and just know that's because of me, all right? Okay. <laughs> okay, Ten four. All right, man. Uh, we will talk to you later. You have a great night. All right, see you guys. That was Jake Chapman. Uh, we are gonna come come to an end here pretty soon. Uh, we are on Blog Talk Radio, also CLMS Radio. Um, you know, we are the Hoopers Log. This is episode eighty. Jeez, this is alright, alright, alright. You guys are We're gonna cool. learn today. Now we got the outro going. Um, again, we'll be back Monday, noon Eastern. Not 1 o'clock, not 2 o'clock, but noon Eastern. New time. Chris's work keeps getting switched up. Hopefully one day we'll be able to do this time slot every single day. Learn that. I'm Andrew order. This is the Hooper's Watch. Thanks for listening, and peace.